Anybody remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do diddly or squat. He can't make us do anything. All he does is dangles the carrot, and we take it hook, line, and sinker. Can somebody say amen? Jesus, the Bible says, took on the form of a slave. He said, I took on the same issues that you deal with, the same weakness that you have, the same frustration that you have, the same irritations. He said, I yielded to that, that you don't have to. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, quickly open them to, to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to jump into this. We have a long way to go, a short time to get there. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firm to the faith that we possess. We talked about this last week as we got into this this part of the series. We've been on a series the last few weeks on the love and heart of God. And and last week, uh, I started talking about fulfilling love. And today, I want to conclude the thought that I have on this is the fact is, is God wants to fulfill His love in you and me. He wants to fulfill it. But sadly, it's not Him holding it back. It's us receiving. That many times hinders what God wants to do. That's why the Scripture says, we have somebody that's been where you've been. That's been where I've been. And we have to hold firmly to the faith, faith that we profess. And what is that faith? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all areas has been tempted just like we have been. Yet, in your notes it says these words in Hebrews 4.15, without sin. He never gave in to it. He stood against it. He overcame it. We talked last week because people say over the way, easy for him, he was God. But the Bible says in another passage that we talked about earlier uh, in your notes, and it's there in your notes, is Philippians 2, where it says he stripped himself. He gave up his divine privileges. And we talked about that, uh, the, the, the word that's actually become a catchphrase today in a lot of your diets called kenosis, where you empty all of these different aspects to where it doesn't lay on your body, but you lay it aside. Kind of a bad scenario there, but that's what it is. He emptied himself. He stepped out of divinity into humanity. This is why he could be tempted with everything you'll ever deal with. The Bible says God cannot be tempted. So he had to step out of a divinity, step into humanity, that he could deal with everything, the assaults of hell, just like you and I. How many are excited that we have a high priest who knows what we're feeling? And then he says these words, and I'm taking you back up to Philippians 2. You don't have to put it on the screen. It's on the screen. Thank you, Chris. You're doing great. Look, look what it says there. He took on the form of a slave. You know what the Bible tells me in the book of uh, Romans chapter 6? 
that who you yield yourself servants to obey, that's whose servants you are. You and I are the ones that choose to be slaves either to God or to the world and Satan. He can't do it. He can't make, well, you know, I, you know, some of y'all old enough to remember, I, 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 I remember it was, it, was, it was funny. It was funny back then. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do diddly or squat. He can't make us do anything. All he does is dangles the carrot, and we take it hook, line, and sinker. Can somebody say amen? Jesus, the Bible says, took on the form of a slave. He said, I took on the same issues that you deal with, the same weakness that you have, the same frustration that you have, the same irritations. He said, I yielded to that, that you don't have to. Let's go back there to Hebrews 4, and look what it says. It says, because of this, because He walked this life without sin. It says, now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Underline that in your notes, please. With confidence. God wants to fulfill love in your life. But he can't do it without us. The devil incessantly wants to make us think we don't deserve it. As you've heard me say from this pulpit many, many times, he's right. Don't argue with him. Agree with him. You're right, devil. I don't deserve it. But he took what I deserved and gave me what I didn't deserve. I don't think you got that. He took what I deserved and gave me what I don't deserve. Don't argue with the devil. But he said, because of what I've done, you can confidently come to obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. So let's get in today where we left off. Love chose equals peace exposed. Love chose. Love, his love chose us. So when we choose him, when we choose to accept that love, peace begins to be exposed in our life. In your notes there, we can live in complete peace in every area because God is faithful. You see, that's why that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is such a, a paramount passage for us. We look at it and, and, and we say, well, God, how, 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 the, how, how does this possible? I mean, you said you won't let us go through anything we can't handle, but with every temptation, you make a way to escape that we might bear up under it. Now, now look, look at the passage there. What God's not telling us is that you're not going to go through stuff. He's not telling us that. He says, you're going to go through stuff. But if you're going through it, and you're a child of God, you've accepted what Christ has done in your life, you're a child of God, a man of God, a woman of God, and you've accepted what God has done in your life, because you're going through it means God is going to use it for something. Remember the devil? Well, you don't deserve God's mercy. You're right, devil. Just shut up. We've already talked about that. I don't deserve it. I got it. But he loved. His love chose. So now I choose his love. Am I making sense? Okay. God, I don't know why I'm, I'm here. You, but you said, I won't go through. You notice how he didn't say live in? David said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You notice what I'm not doing? I ain't stopping. Can I tell you something, folks? When you're going through hell, don't stop. I think some of you are going to get it. You think the guy looked like a chicken up there walking. I don't know how to walk, folks, but I'm just walking. You know why? 
Because it says, though I walk through. He says, God will take me through. He would not let me deal with anything. Look at somebody and say, anything. He won't let me go through anything that I can't handle. That's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through. I was hoping you were going to say that. Because we forget to look at verse 12. See, most of us have verse 13. Well, God, you said you wouldn't let us go through anything we couldn't handle. But with every temptation, you make a way to escape that we might be able to bear up under it, handle it. I like the, the original language talks about the fact that you have to stand. You can bear up under it. But what's verse 12 say? He said, everybody's going through the same stuff. Look at somebody and say, you know what I'm going through? Yeah. Oh, it may not be exactly the physical thing you're going through, but they're going through physical stuff. It might not be exactly the mental thing you're going through, but they're going through mental stuff. It might not be exactly the social thing they're going through, but they're going through social stuff. Look at somebody and say, you really going through stuff? Go ahead. Folks, this isn't a trick question. Go ahead and ask somebody. Are you going through stuff? Go ahead. And every single one of them, if they're honest, they'll say, yeah. And then they're going to ask, how'd you know? Because God said, God's word says, everybody's going through stuff. But because he is faithful, I can have peace. I got one amen out of that. Because he is faithful, I can have peace. I'm able to do this because he has been where I am, and where I be, he's going to be there too. It's just like playing baseball. Anybody ever played baseball in this room? You ever, you ever see baseball? Okay. Okay. First base. Okay. Second base. Third base. Only reason I'm doing this, somebody might be running into the the last person. So come on. uh, Come on, Terry. You're going to be home plate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so first base, get up there a little bit. Third base, get up there a little bit. Okay, home plate right there. Okay. Now I need somebody really godly because they got to play Jesus. Okay, Pastor Ray, come on. They voted. They voted. Somebody really godly. Okay, so now what I need you to do. I have to put Jesus by the one that needs help. Actually, by the time I'm done, you're going to find Jesus by every place. Because we all need help. Can somebody say amen? So what happens is I'm, I'm the guy living life. And I'm fixing to hit the ball. You see them knees? Don't laugh at me because those are your knees too. Because you know you're going to face stuff in life. You can get a good look at, get a good look at those knees because that's you. You're saying, okay, God, I know I've got to get out of bed now and I've got to face this morning.
first base. Jesus, help me. I hit the ball. And all of a sudden, I start running. And guess who is at first base? Jesus is right there at first base. And you know what he does? He said, don't worry. Okay, you keep going. Now, now look, who's at second base? Who, who's at second base? Okay. And, and he just said, don't worry about it. Don't worry. About it. You're going to. And we get to third base. Who's at third base? Okay. Now, look, 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 who's, look who's at home waiting for me. Look who's at home waiting for me. You see, by the time I get to third base, I'm thinking, oh, God, I did this, but my knees are still. My... And then Jesus is over there saying, come on. Come on home. You can do this thing. So I'm saying, God, I, I, God, you don't know. You don't know what I've gone through. And he said, yeah, because I already ran the plate bases for you. And then I slide into home. You know why? I'm sliding into the arms of the one that already ran the bases before I ever got to them. Amen. He knew what you're going to face on first base. He knew what you're going to face at second base. He knew what you're going to face at third base. And he ran it for you. And he met you at each one of them. All for the sole purpose of being at home saying, come on, I prepared a place for you. Run into my arms. Can somebody say amen? Good job, guys. Thank you. Come on, let them know you appreciate them, would you? It's always a nervous thing when you got to get in one of the pastor's uh, living examples. Now, did y'all, did y'all, now I'm, gonna, I'm up here, I'm up here in full color. This is what my knees were doing. Now, don't get nervous because your knees do that every single day of your life. Every time you face something, your knees are knocking. You're, you're, you're. God, I can do this. I can do this. Why am I still bothered by it? Is anybody make, does that make sense to anybody? I know I can do all things, but why is it still freaking me out? Because we still live in a fallen world. Folks, we're going to walk through stuff. We're going to deal with stuff. But because love chose, I can choose to walk in that love. What is that love? It's equated in to confidence. You see, God's plan is not that you and I walk through life frustrated. We don't have to second guess life. We don't have to be discouraged in life. Am I making any sense? Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know who those witnesses was? First base, second base, third base, home base. Oh, they represented the bases, those guys standing there. But you know what? Those are the guys that have already ran the bases. And can I tell you something? Jesus ran the bases for them before they ever got to him. So we have all of these that have gone on before us. Now listen to this, please. Listen to this, please. Because you know that, look what it says. Get rid of all the crap. Can, can I say that in church? Now, you can take your mind to the gutter if you want to, but I'm just talking about stuff. Some houses are just full of stuff. He said, get rid of all of that. Well, how do I get rid of it? They did it. You got a whole cloud of witnesses that have done it. Yeah, but they don't know where I'm going. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 12. Everybody's going through the same stuff. Everybody's going through the same stuff. Am I making sense? You see what the devil wants you to do, Isaac? He wants you to think that 
Nobody knows what I'm going through. Scott, you might have been preacher one place, but you ain't been in my shoes. Come on, somebody. Somebody tell me that you know what I'm talking about here. You don't know where I've been. God said all of us gone through the same stuff. All of us. We have this cloud of witnesses. So why am I dealing with the same stuff? You think it could be that maybe the devil has convinced me that that's your lot in life? Becky, you've been through stuff, haven't you? Don, Carol, you've been through stuff, haven't you? Put the screen back up there, please. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And then I want you to underline these two words, the sin. The sin. He said, get rid of all the stuff. But then I want you to specifically address this one thing, the sin. You know what it is? When you look up that terminology, it's that one thing. It's not those five things. It's not those ten things. It's that one thing that always trips you up. It's that one situation that you always seem to find yourself in. It's that one relationship you always seem to run back to. It's that one door that when you find it, you find it, man, this is kind of jarred. And you kick it open. You know why it's jarred? God's trying to keep you away from it. But if you want to push through, God said, go for it. Go ahead. If you want to deal with the sin again. See, we want to blame everybody else. But God said, nope, you're in the driver's seat. Well, I thought God was my pilot and I'm the co-pilot. Until you decide to get involved in the sin, then you just traded places. Yeah, but how do I push God out of the way? You've been doing it your whole life? I've been doing it my whole life? You say, Pastor, how do you do that? When I want something more than I want God. When I want something because I like it. You see, love chose. And God said in the midst of everything, we have to choose. Here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. When we run to God, Jesus runs to us. When we run to God, not until, not until. Everything was done at Calvary, folks. But until we decide to run to him, let me give you the picture. The prodigal son we know so well, but the prodigal's father, he was a representation of God and the son. As the father, he said, okay, go do what you want to do. Never chased him, never went after him. Never pursued him. Are you with me? But just as soon as the boy came to his senses. That's what the Bible says. Now, I didn't say it, folks. He came to his senses. You say, Pastor, you mean when I'm out doing wrong, I'm not in my right mind? You said it. I didn't. <laughs> when he came to his senses, look what happened. He walked away from God like this. I got it together. I know what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. Matter of fact, when he was stepping away, is that how you do it? (laughs) But you know what happened? Look at me. Look at me. We bought the lie. We walked away thinking we're all that. 
Well, all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, I'm down in the hog trough of life. Man, even the servants in my dad's house eat better than me. My dad's house. He walked away like that, but he's coming back like this. Look at this. When he walked away, the father's just sitting there. Tears rolling down his eyes because he knows he can't do anything about it. It's his will. He's just there. And he's walking away. Oh, God, I don't need you. I got this. Well, now when he's down in the hog trough of life and he's coming back like this, all of a sudden the father says, Son, the boy's come to his senses. And Jesus said, Well, Dad, can I? Can I? And the father says, Yeah, go get him. God wants nothing than to fulfill his love in your life. Philippians chapter 4, look at this. There's a lot of stuff in your notes, and I'm going to be passing by some things, but listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. You say, Pastor, it only says it once. Yeah, but Paul says, and again I say rejoice. So that means rejoice in the Lord always is an all-the-time scenario. Can somebody say amen? And then it says, let your gentleness, that patience, that peace, that rest, be evident to everyone. And then I want you to underline these words in your notes. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. You know what it means, no matter what you're going through? I'm right there. I'm just waiting on you to cry out. I'm just waiting on you to come. I love you so much. I'm not going to leave your side. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to forsake. I'm not going to go this way. I'm not. You might walk away from me, but I'm not walking away from you. I'm just waiting for the opportunity for you to say, Father! And the minute we cry out, the sun's there. The Lord is near. That's why I said don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. But pray about everything. Present your request to God with prayer. And here's that word. It's not on this, in this translation, but in many of your Bibles, it'll have that word supplication. That place of desperation, knowing I've got nothing else to tr trust in. I've got no one else to cling to. I've got nowhere else to turn. And then it has this word attached to it, with thanksgiving. He said, let your request be made known to God. He gives us an outline. How do you do this? He said, focus on what is true. Can I tell you what's true? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, whatever things are noble. You know what's noble? Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus stepped out of divinity into humanity, that he could deal with every single thing that you would ever deal with. He said, whatever things are right, Micah says these words, what do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Who did justly? Jesus. He said, Dad, I'll pay the price. He did what was justifiable, what God had to make right. Can somebody say Amen. Do justly. Love mercy. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he said, walk humbly. Look what it says. As a lamb dumb before his shears, he said not a word. And he said, you want to know how to bring these petitions to me? Look at the next thing. Whatever is pure. You know what's pure? Jesus. 
2 Corinthians says that he that knew no sin became sin for us. That we that knew no righteousness could become the righteousness of God in Christ. You know the next thing he said? Whatever is lovely. You know what's lovely? Jesus. Romans 5 eight says, while we were still sinners, Christ died. That's a pretty lovely thing to do, isn't it? And whatever is admirable. Dad, I don't know if I want to do this. Dad, I don't know if I'm feeling it. But Dad, you love them. I love them. Let's do this. Pretty admirable, wouldn't you think? Anything trustworthy? Anything excellent? Anything full of praise? I think I could put Jesus in there too. You know why? Because the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that I have done. It's according to his mercy. You see, you think about those things. That's how you come to the love that chose us. That's how you choose the love that chose. That's how we begin to understand our worth in him. And that's how we come into peace. 2 Timothy 1 says these words, for this reason, Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy. He said, for this reason, Timothy, I remind you, I remind you to fan into a flame the gift of God. What what is Paul literally telling Timothy? Timmy, remember where you came from. Remember what you were and focus on what you are. And then turn into a flame. Literally what it's talking about is taking the poker of your memory and start getting that fire that's trying to just calm down into a a bit of an ember, even a dying ember. And he says, start poking that thing, and you'll see the fire of God's glory start to well back up in you. He said, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Literally, he said... God didn't give you that reticence. He didn't give you that fear. He didn't give you that reserve or that that lower, that lower moral fortitude that you are trying to walk in because the rest of the world, you know, the rest of the world, don't judge me. I didn't judge you, folks. God did. And what was God's judgment based on? Your works? No. Your rejection of Jesus Christ. Nobody goes to hell because they're a bad person they go to hell because they're not a saved person a lot of bad people that are saved we're going to find in heaven and a lot of good people that aren't we're going to say what happened to them my bible still says Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. Not everybody gets cleaned up. Not everybody gets fixed up. But everybody that reaches up. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Isaiah 26 says, Those who keep their minds on Christ will have perfect peace. Those who keep their minds on Christ will have perfect peace. Folks, I've learned in all my feeble attempts that God is near to pick up the pieces. God is near to pick up the pieces. That's why I've got to continually press into peace. I've got to continually press into that confident assurance. Because when I will press into peace, it causes my obedience never to cease. When I press into the peace that passes all understanding, 
I, I don't know why I'm here, God. I don't know why I'm dealing with this. But God, I'm dealing with it. And so you said in this world, I'm going to have problems, but in you, I'm going to have peace. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, look what it says here. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And here's, here's one of those strange passages that we sit down and say, what does that mean? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is he talking about? Literally, he is talking about you and I walk the walk that is set before us, even if we don't understand it, knowing that God hasn't brought us to it if he's not going to take us through it. Reverence and awe and respect, God knows. We're talking about God's sovereignty, knowing that even though I don't know, God does. Even though I can't figure it out, God has. Even though I can't put all the pieces together, God said, don't worry. I got all the pieces. That's why God tells us we'll never live today if we're going to continue to look back to yesterday. We have to let the past be the past. We have to let the past be the past. Love personified. There's a lot in your notes, folks, that I'm not going to get to, but let me bring this thing to a close this morning. I don't need the worship team yet. I just want to talk to you for a few more minutes. I want, you to give, I want to give you the picture of how God fulfilled his love. When love was personified, it is only then that we're able to personify love. When love was exemplified, when love was made apparent in this life, it's only then that I can have love made apparent in my life. Look at Isaiah 59. The Lord looked, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one to intervene. There was no one that he could count on to do righteously. And so look what the scripture says. And so he used his own right arm to work salvation. There's not a single one of us that could or would do right. Why? Because the whole world's bought the lie. The whole world has been deceived. But God made a way where there was no way. And the Bible says he looked for people, he looked for someone, he could find no one. So he sent his own right arm to work salvation. If you were in our Armor of God class, you're going to recognize some things. His own right arm worked salvation. And his own righteousness sustained him. Let's continue on here. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. He put on as a helmet salvation. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in a zeal as a cloak. God is, has been, and always will be your salvation, my salvation. Why? It's his righteousness that we wear and that we walk in. And it's his helmet that keeps us focused that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't have to go this way or that way. I'm going to go straight ahead into the promise of God. God said, I made a way where there was no way. Let me share a story, and then I'll end. Fulfilling love is all God desired. There was a father that had a son. This father and mother, they raised their son in church. They raised him in all of the principles of God. But this boy kept doing wrong, seeming to break the, the rules at home and his school. His father couldn't, didn't understand why he provided in every way possible. A good home, 
He went fishing with him. He went to ball games with him. He showered him with unconditional love, but he couldn't figure out why the boy wouldn't mind. He raised the boy in church. He took him to Sunday school. He took him to the church, consistently sat down and read the Bible to him, never provoked him to anger. The son's behavior was a mystery. Let me take you back 6,000 years to a place called the Garden of Eden. There was a man and a woman in that garden. Everything. God walked with them daily. God brought his word to their lives daily, moved in their lives daily. They still chose to go a different way, and their behavior was a mystery. Not a mystery to God, but a mystery to you and I that read it. How They had everything. They were in God's presence, an unfallen world, and they still fell. One day, the little boy was upstairs playing with his baseball, which he knew he wasn't supposed to do. Well, as it would happen, he wound up breaking one of the bedroom windows. Well, he's 10 years old, and the boy knows better. He's been told repeatedly to never play ball in the house. Well, he heard the steps of the father walking upstairs. Just like Adam and Eve heard the voice of God walking in the garden. God knew there's a problem, and he knew he had to deal with it. I want you to listen to me, please. The father's walking upstairs, taking his belt off. This is before political correctness, folks. You could actually do what the Bible said in disciplining your child. See, the Bible says the rod of correction drives the evil spirit away. Yes, moms and dads, spanking is biblical. Matter of fact, it says you spoil the, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. I wonder where we got today. Hmm. The boy knew the father was coming, so he voluntarily bent over and kneeled next to the bed. Some of us are laughing because we did that. (laughs) When my mom said dad was going to come home and take care of business, when dad got home, I just said, okay, dad, where do you want me to bend over? There wasn't no argument because I already knew I deserved it. The devil didn't have to tell me. The devil don't have to tell us. We know we deserve it. He went and bent over the bed prepared for the punishment. But the father got the son and told him to stand up. The father knelt down over the bed and gave the belt to the boy. He said, son, I want you to give me seven lashes across my back. The son started to cry. He said, dad, I can't do that. You didn't do anything wrong. What are you What are you doing? And the father insisted and said, son, give me seven lashes across my back. Well, all of a sudden, the boy relented, and he took the belt, and he kind of let it lay across the back. And the father said, no, do it harder. Do it harder. Seven lashes, as hard as the boy possibly could, came across the dad's back. The boy was weeping uncontrollably as the belt Every time it hit the back, every time it hit the back, every time it hit the back, the boy knew he deserved it. Why would somebody else take it? Still in tears, the father was able to turn it and say, Son, when Jesus went to the cross, Who do you think did it? The boy's just weeping uncontrollably said, "Uh, the Jews, the Romans, the sinners. And the dad said, no, it was God.
The Father is the one that punished Jesus for all the wrong that you and I have ever done. Isaiah 53, 10, the Bible says, It pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. He didn't deserve it. But he took it because we didn't deserve saving. This is how much the Father was determined to fulfill his love. It was God's love being poured out that took the wrath. The boy, deeply shaken by the example, from that day forward, didn't seem to be in a lot of trouble, though he still had troubles. Not perfect, but changed. Maybe it's because he didn't know what the dad would do the next time. But the reality is the boy knew there was something different about love. His dad loved him so much, he said, okay, I I can't do this, I can't do that, so I'll just take the punishment myself, and I'll pay the price once and for all. Let me say these words as the worship team comes. To understand God's love fully, we must understand love is not a feeling. It is tangible, it is active, it is action-oriented. Love is a choice that God made 2,000 years ago. Actually, the Bible says from the foundation of the world, God chose. Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world. 2,000 years ago, it was manifested at a place called Calvary. And there was no greater love than the one displayed at a place called Calvary. Now, let me explain a little bit here. Some of you sit here and think, well, how can I love when I hate so desperately? Can I tell you that hatred is not the opposite of love? Because hatred has emotions. Oh, yes, love has emotions. God loves us, and there's emotion in the love. But love was chose to pay the price. Hatred is not the opposite of love. You know what the opposite of love is? Listen to me, Christian, please. The opposite of love is indifference. Well, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, I can come to church or not come to church. I can be godly or not be godly. I can do or not. See, the opposite of love is not hate. You can still love God and live a life that hates Him. Because all that the opposite of love is is indifference. It's not being that Christian. It's not being that example. It's not being that testimony. See, I'm talking about fulfilling love. See, God wasn't interested in just saying, I love you. He said, I want to show you how much I love you. I'm going to die. Because that's the only way you'll ever live. It's the only way. You see, at, at the garden, God's law was violated. It was broken. It was decimated. And the only way that God could return man to his rightful state, someone had to heal that. Someone had to restore that. Someone had to renew that. That's why last week I said, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, God, I'm not feeling this, Dad. I'm not feeling this. I I know what they're going to do to me, and I see what they're doing. Hey, I'm not into it. See, that would have been indifference. 
They're not standing for me, so I'm not going to stand for them. God, you're not doing for me, so I'm not going to do for you. See, that's why there's really no such thing as an atheist. All atheism is just another religion. That's all it is. You say, well, they hate God. That's right. They got lots of emotions about it. Only because they've never chose to know God. I want to put these last few thoughts on the screen. Because we pursue Him. Because we pursue Him, He promises to give us certain victories. Number one, as children of God, we now have authority over everything. As children of God, the kingdom of Satan has been destroyed. See, that's called fulfilling love. The only way that he could give you victory, he had to destroy the one that was taking the victory. As children of God, we have been raised and seated with Christ now. Now. When the devil comes in to lie and to cheat and steal and destroy, God says all you got to do is just say, hey, I know I deserve it. He paid the price for it. As children of God, we are now co-heirs with Him. Everything the Father has. I, I go back to the prodigal son, the example that I gave you a little bit earlier. The Father just said, okay, go. Just as soon as He came to His senses, Jesus was waiting, saying, Dad, can I, can I? And all He wanted to do was run to Him and restore Him to the place that He walked away from. All God wants to do, ladies and gentlemen, is restore us to the place that Adam and Eve walked away from. And once again, as children of God, He turned all authority back to you, back to me. All authority was given to Him and he said, here you go. It's in your hands. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.